So we're here. Episode five. Rolling a season. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully today uh, Congress will get something passed and maybe it can help some of us small business owners. Yeah, they should be in session right now. It's around noon. Yeah, maybe. They were supposed to go back. They left at around three this morning, I think, and they were starting back up at noon. So hopefully by the time we get done with this, they pass it. You know, last time we talked about that, they didn't pass it. We're like, well, maybe they'll pass something, and we finished recording, and saw they hadn't. So. Yeah, I saw Nancy on CNBC yesterday. I was kind of shocked. Yeah, she's she's making a fuss. Yeah. Well, <laughs> come on, Nancy. Let's yeah. get this thing going. But this is – so last week we talked about postponing the season. Um, we were very excited for having guests on the show. But this is our first episode with a guest. Um, so I don't have anything else to talk about before we run the titles. Do you? No. Okay, so let's run the titles. Let's run them. So tell us a little bit about today's guest, Jay. So today we have a buddy of mine that I met in business um, a couple years ago. Became good friends of mine. He owns a company called Cypress Safety Professionals, which he does a lot of. I'll let him get into what he really does, but he owns a basically a staffing company all across America. And today I'd like to introduce you to Josh Corman. Hey. Welcome, Josh. Hey. Thank y'all for having me. Good. It's good to be here. So, Josh, what exactly, um, when did you get your business started? Um, I started eight years ago. Yeah. Um, Louisiana-based uh, company. That's where I'm from. And like you said, we work all nationwide providing uh, safety consulting for different businesses, whether that be on-site safety or um, training, consulting, things like that. That's good. So, in general, I mean, during the year, can you go from anywhere from 10 to 25 employees that's somewhere in your range? We don't um, handle a whole lot of employees. Actually, most of our folks are consultants, meaning they come with their own credentials, training, uh, insurance, and things like that. Now, I double back that, making sure, you know, if we go on a gas company or somebody's property that we're insured up to the limit that our client needs. But uh, So you have 1099 employees that are totally put together with your what they need for you to work under your uh, Correct. Company. Technically, I'm the only employee of the yeah. company. Nice. Yep. Well, that's great. Um, so what made you get into that industry? Um, I started out, my, my family's been in safety for a long time. We've been uh, in fire firefighting or uh, public safety. And then uh, my uncle broke away from the fire department um in the eighties mm-hmm. and went into, uh, safety consulting, uh, or actually not as a consultant, but an employee as a safety manager at a plant. And, uh, he did that for years and years and, uh, has worked for big companies all over the country, Bechtel, uh, Chicago bridge and iron and whatnot. Uh, and we've kind of, my dad retired from the fire department after 25 years and decided to, uh, go into safety after he took a f- couple years off, he fished, he hunted, he did everything he could do and he got bored. And uh, so we, we were already in the safety realm and just decided to go in more into construction and uh, general industry type safety and plants, refineries, you know, new buildings, whatever. Let's go. Well, so what do you think over the last eight years, how many different bigger companies have you worked for um, or worked with? It's so hard to say exactly, but I would put it up there close to 50 because of the uh, – how many people we sub and sub and sub. We've got a job going right now in near Odessa, Texas with, uh, it's an Exxon job. We're doing, uh, 
work, the actual procurement company we work for is KBR out there. Mm-hmm. And then the actual contract we work for is Watkins Construction, providing safety for them. So it's uh, there's always tiers of it, subs and subs and subs. But uh, we're basically the safety sub for many contractors and gas companies and things like that. So what's that process look like? Are you asked to to bid on a job as a safety contractor? Are you asked to, are you already like on a preferred list? The first job, usually, yes. And then once we win a bid, then it'll be, would you do it for what you did it for last job? And that'll be based on the hours, um, you know, the what, what, with the scope of work. Right. And uh, with this going on now with uh, COVID, um, we're being asked right now, we have a, a job being bid on uh, for the through the federal government for uh, providing safety that is going to go into impacted areas where they have a shortage of hospital beds. It's going to take hotels and gut them, uh, pulling out anything that could spread disease, which would be carpeting, put a floor down that's sufficient to a ho- hospital room. Uh, HVAC system has to be independent where you're not doing resupplied air. And um, we'll put a safety professional on that job to work with um, – the contractors that are actually tearing out and demoing. And then I'm not sure what will happen with those buildings. Once the patients are in there, we'll be gone. We'll go to the next one. We're not health professionals, but uh, we'll work with those contractors, get that done, go to the next one, and we'll see how long that goes for. I'm, I'm expecting maybe a month and a half, two months. Right. And with something like this, like you're in this pr- proposal process, you said knowing you're the the main employee for your company, is that something you, you do all those proposals? proposals yourself yeah i mean it can sound glamorous to be the owner or whatever of a company but you're you're all the way down to the secretary as well and um it it is nice at a time like this when you don't have a lot of employees because the worst part of any business is uh letting people go laying people off and uh, we have had a few uh, jobs come to a halt so technically some layoffs where it's uh, i don't want to say company imposed uh, companies put everything on hold. So we've had, if we had 15 people working in the oil field, we've probably reduced down about five, uh, six actually, six people uh, as of yesterday that are on hold. And, and they may be on hold for a month, but then again, if the company decides, well, the project they were working on wasn't critical and we don't, we'll, we'll, put, we'll shelve that till 2021, then that I've got to find a spot for that person. Because everybody that works for me is a a family member or a, um, a person I've worked with or right. something like that. It's a pre-vetted thing. That's where I think where our success comes from. Yeah. And so with that too, so I was, I would assume that's a way that things have, this whole crisis is, is affecting your business and the model it is because you would, safety inspections are things that have to happen. They're not, you know, it's not a, a luxury item that can be tacked on and things like that. Like they, they have to happen. But when projects as a whole are all come to a stop, every piece of that stops. So that was going to be one of my questions, but that kind of answers it already <laughs> in regards to like how this is affecting. Well, to your expand it just a little bit on that, the most people are realizing they, you get a re um, redone or re re reclass on um, retraining on civics and free enterprise at this moment and finding out that uh, dropping a pair, a price of a barrel of oil or something that happens overseas or domestic can affect, um, their ability to work tomorrow. So you can get real small minded and think only about me, 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 but we are tied together, all businesses, because we are an auxiliary business of contractors. And if contractors aren't building, we're not working. Right. Uh, or gas companies aren't, 
aren't doing anything. They're sitting on their, their money and they're not expanding. Contractors aren't working. We're not working. So that, that big puzzle, once someone gets laid off or it affects them, they all sit back. So I have a feeling when we come back, I was listening to the president talk, uh, I, I think the, the boom, the, the pendulum swing back the other way is going to be double of what it's been. And there'll be a lot less complaints because you're just thrilled to be back to work, yeah, to go out to eat dinner, whatever. Yeah, you know? I made the uh, I made the comment yesterday to uh, one of my friends who leans the other way than than I in regards to politics, and I was like, both sides of the aisle are shitting the bed right now, and it's going to come to a point like if this doesn't pass today, it's gonna we're going to get to Thursday or Friday, and it's going to be executive order, and everybody in the country is going to praise the president for once all, and maybe only for thirty seconds, but the fact that something happened, you know. Yeah. Right. And I was just, I was just talking with some guys earlier. It's like I I follow politics very heavily. I enjoy sure. it. Um, don't really care about the policy and issues. Really, I just enjoy watching and keeping up with politics. And it it's interesting to me now that now that now that the government really matters to everybody. Right. How how it's opening people's eyes to how nothing happens. Like nothing can get done. You know. It's like oh yeah, I'm glad I mean, y'all people don't at. really know how many bills they're just trying to throw yeah. in little policies that yeah. you think we're yeah. just worried about this, but somebody's throwing a completely different opposite thing. Right. It has nothing to do with yeah. the economy right trying now. Trying to yeah. tag something along yeah. that they couldn't get past before right. Right. in desperation mode, trying to get something. Yeah. Yeah. We, we yeah. need this. It hurts we everybody else. Yeah. yeah, it's not, yeah, like you said, it's not solving the problem today, and it's the American people are finally seeing, like, like who are y'all working for? Mm-hmm. Y'all working for us? Y'all, well, you know? Yeah. Um. Anyway, so another question I had is we always – Think about like we always talk about revenue and keeping and how businesses make their revenue, obviously. But with your jobs and knowing you've got like you you mentioned that you would quote the first time and have to go through a bidding process and then kind of like it's a preferred. Hey, can you work at this rate again? Do you have jobs that are ongoing, ongoing for like say a year or two years or things like that? It's just like a a monthly commitment you have. Is that is Usually, that a thing in your business? Um, we'll start a job. It could go a month. It could go a year. But uh, we may finish that job and, you know, we've, we've had good success putting out quality people. Um, the way I do my splits with my money that comes in is, uh, and it's our money is split at 80, 20. So our guys that are in the field are receiving 80% of, uh, of the money that we get from a client. Now, um, that could change, uh, with certain jobs. It could be less, it could be more, but usually around the 80, 20 split. And what that allows me to do is to keep my prices low, but also provide a high quality safety person and, and do my business in volume, right. uh, versus be the most expensive piece of rental equipment on the job, which we are rental equipment. We're a person, but we're equipment and we have a knowledge base with safety, but if you're the most expensive person on a job site, they're counting the days. Usually how it works, we'll have a quota. Uh, if you're working on a construction site, and it just depends on the gas company specs and their safety culture, you say like, okay, for every 25 contractors, you've got to have one safety person. So we got a job with 100 people. There's four safety people on it. As soon as it drops under you know, 25, they're trying to get that safety person off the, the payroll. And so if you're the most expensive piece of equipment on a job site, you're the first fastest person they can eliminate unless there's right. rules like that. So um, a lot of times safety, um, things that have happened in the past, past events, uh, everybody always says safety's paid for in blood. Uh, OSHA rules are made in blood type things. Something happened somewhere. And so we are 
we are glad that there is an OSHA. If there was no OSHA, there'd be no reason for us. We're glad that there is a, a state uh, OSHA here in North Carolina as a, a state that does that. Um, California has their own OSHA as well. Um, just we're lucky that that is in place because with no rules or regulations, um, there would be really no need for us. And many companies would say, well, we're not going to pay for that. You know, well, Josh, on, on, on this, on our podcast, we've gotten to talk about how businesses get started and how they get funded. When you first started your business, how did you fund those first invoices when your employees are working and they're looking for that first check, yeah. but you're 30, 60 days out? How did you start that process in the beginning and what adverse and problems did you come into when with, with doing that? When I got into safety, I worked for somebody else, mm-hmm. and that was as an employee. Then I helped a person, a friend of mine, start a safety consulting business. And then after about four or five years of that, I did my own. So I kind of like saw the the traps, the holes, the little things that needed to be different. Nice. And so I was able to uh, take kind of the best of both worlds and, and put it in there. But um, – what what I've what I've seen um, in the, in the past is uh, it, well with new companies is the hardest thing is waiting to get that first check and the gas company and the uh, you know our uh, oil and gas business is a is a great business they have a lot of vendors and if you're not uh, on that list you got to beat the door down and get your your first check a lot of times and a lot of times it's ninety days out as long as you know that you can factor that in whether it be loans or things like that. But how I got started was, um, you know, I basically a family personal loan. Actually, my stepmother, who uh, just passed away, uh, gave me $20,000 to start the business, and I paid her back. And then when we got there, I said, would you like interest or whatever? And she said, no, I just wanted to help you. So I'm really grateful uh, for that opportunity. That $20,000 has turned into where we have 15 people working Old-time with us. Company. Right. And – 15 families that eat off of our safety every day, yeah. you know, whatever you want to look at it. So that's what I'm most proud of. Yeah. So that's something we talked about in episode one or two about like the ways of the like top five ways of financing and a family loan was the number one, number one, thing. first one. Yeah. yeah. And then I got, um, I came to North Carolina to work for Piedmont natural gas, which is Duke energy and a lot of different companies here have been in and out of, of North Carolina working for different companies for a while but uh, I was able to link up with with some some good uh, business people and and figure out some other ways to raise more capital mm. uh, through through loans and financing and things like that, whether it be a line of credit uh, or factor funding and things like that. Mm. Uh, they've they've helped me along the way. But of course, when you're new and I mean new, like anywhere from one to five six years old, you're gonna have a harder time going and get an SBA yeah. uh, a government back loan with low interest so you got to be ready to pay those uh higher interest rates and the you know those factoring it, yeah, they're going to hit expensive. you monthly yeah. and uh but but without that you wouldn't be able to do business so right. we just as long as you understand it you know it's all business and they have to make their money too that's their business model uh and you and you factor that in uh, you know you you'll you'll be okay yeah so when you were working with duke where did you come in working with Duke in regards to uh, or Piedmont? Excuse me, came in working Piedmont. Piedmont. Uh, did you come in working for them as an employee or as a contractor? No, as a contractor, actually on a job here in Greenville, they had a, um, a line that ran from Greenville to Washington that they or Little Washington, which they actually dug up recently or, or rerouted in some areas where the new interstate 
passes by the uh, the uh, college there. So anyway, the th- that has been redone. It'll constantly. You have to have so much basic uh, coverage of dirt over a line that runs under an interstate or railroad track or that kind of thing. So if my normal coverage over a pipeline might be five feet and we're running through a field, when it hits a, a major roadway, uh, first thing you've got to have ten foot of cover and you've got to have lo- valves on each side of that that obstacle to be able to shut that in if there was somebody getting out in the farm field, didn't make a one call and hits that line. Mm. So for safety, it's all back to safety. But anyway, uh, yeah, that we, I started out working with a contracting company that was doing inspection services for Piedmont natural gas. We did a line. I've probably put in from here to Hickory to Asheville, uh, Raleigh, Wilson, um, Concord, all over the state of North Carolina, uh, South Carolina Electric and Gas, PSNC, um, which is Dominion, um, and Piedmont is, uh, right. is Duke Energy. So we've we've done a lot for them. So I started out as a as a, basically a third party contractor inspector working safety because they set. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to ask. I'm trying to get to where you. Did you was it your company or were you working with the company? It was we and that's a that's a that's a good question because a lot of times if you own an inspection company but you don't specialize in safety, I will sub those safety folks to you whether that be okay. a, a oil and gas or a government job or general construction, or you come across something you need a um, OSHA ten hour uh, mm-hmm. you need training. We can provide that. Gotcha. So, okay. Yeah, because on stuff, Josh, when uh, like say said Duke has a contract and they're going to give it to Piedmont or Watkins. They need an oversight guy and you become that oversight because they don't want to hear from the actual contractor doing it. They want someone to watch that contractor. They need an outside third party, which where your company provides, correct? Yeah. Not to get, I mean, people watching this would want, you know, interesting things to, to talk about. I, I wasn't there wasn't any part of it, but uh, I don't want to be. Tell into, uh, but yeah, like, there's been FBI cases where, a company will win a bid. They'll come out for a gas company, and they'll get way out there in the middle of nowhere. And there are, like, for instance, logging mats that you need to roll heavy equipment in real soft areas. And they don't. It's more expensive to pull it out of the wetland or the right of way <laughs> than it is to just dig a big hole, bury everything in it, burn it right there, and cover it up. Well, though there has been cases where people have gone out and buried mats and said, well, we had 10,000 mats and you really only buried 7,000 of them. Mm -hmm. The burying was illegal. The burning of them was illegal. And there was 3,000 mats overcharged. And if you start talking two to $500 per mat, starts adding up. So river weights, things like that. So you, uh, fuel, how much footage do we get in a day? Right. So inspection is a big part of construction. And if you are a gas company or any energy company, you want some third party company looking out for your best interest. So when the foreman for the contractor turns in, how much footage do we get? The inspector seconds that on his report and it all jobs at the end of the job in a big job book says it was installed properly because Back to government regulations, DOT uh, runs all of that through FEMSA, uh, um, and and they also run, um, uh, you know, the, not only how do I, how deep does something need to be buried, what what uh, qualifications does the person need to be welding on it, um, who needs to oversee it, all of that. So it's all got to be archived, and it's basically kept in a job book. 
but that's that's where uh, our oversight. Because yeah, you've told me before too, where you got to make sure they seal something correctly, where you might be looking at a hole for sixteen hours to make sure there's no leak coming out of there. Right, and you have to make sure all those pressures, you know, work out proper before they fill that thing back up. Yeah, I mean, it can be a lot of <clears throat> public safety too, because mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to be left behind on someone's land. There's going to be someone's grandson that rides through there on a tractor. Uh, let's say tilling up land, and if we didn't bury that pipe at the adequate depth, or we didn't cover it properly, or whatever it might be, or, or we didn't weld it and X-ray it, and let's say we say, yeah, all these X- these wells were X-rayed and none of them were. Yeah. The one that that fails and blows out, what if it's you know under a school, uh, yeah. or, or next to a church? Uh, there's there's a lot of public safety when you're dealing with utilities. Um, we do a a good job in a lot of ways in oil and gas, but we do a poor job in a lot of ways impacting and telling people how the actual the lights turn on, um, how they get water, mm-hmm. how, you know, just it, it, all of that really, um, it comes from somewhere. And uh, North Carolina, especially with the uh, environmental regulations, has um, really impacted the pipeline business, and that's why there's been so much activity here. Is because companies like Duke Energy are trying to go away from coal fire. Mm-hmm. They're going into uh, plants that run on natural gas. That's the lines we've been running over the last five years. Yeah. So we've worked in Wilmington and at the Sutton Steam Plant. Well, that that is a huge coal ash uh, spill a few years ago because they literally had to make uh, impoundments to hold uh, millions and millions of cubic tons of coal ash that was burnt. Because obviously when a burn coal, there's a byproduct with ash. Yeah. What do you do with it? Well, it used to be scooped up, put in a pond, and covered with water to keep it from blowing around. Well, when that levee or dike breaks and it gets into a river, you've got a major problem. Yeah. And so anyway, long story short, again, back to regulations, we have been benefited by having um, politicians and people wanting to go to clean, uh, burning, natural gas, powered power plants. Yeah, yeah. I read a. Uh, I did the math. I have a question, so I'm going to put a pin in my question and go this. I read, did the math one weekend. I was looking at it in regards to the amount of natural gas that's underneath Alaska, mm-hmm. and it's an if, if every house in America, every average home, every average size home left their lights on, it was enough energy to power the United States for about I think it was like 25, 26 years of constant every light in every house in America own. It, it, I, it was like, man, this is, when, this is um, ridiculous. I was talking about my uncle. His name is Chris. He, um, anyway, he, Uncle Chris went up to um, Alaska during the 80s, mid-80s, and built the Alaskan pipeline. And uh, if you'll see, a lot of times the Alaskan pipeline is above ground in a lot of spots, and it's protected by guards and whatnot because it's it's vulnerable above ground. But digging below ground when it's below freezing is almost impossible. A lot of people don't know that um, it's 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 not the same, but a lot of this eastern North Carolina, south Louisiana, they have a lot of marsh and bog areas. The mosquitoes are horrible in the spring and summertime in Alaska yeah. if you get carried away in the, in the woods there. I mean, you just think of snow and whatnot. But anyway, it's harsh terrain, and uh, it seems funny that wherever there's, there usually is harsh terrain, there is usually heavy, heavy loads of oil and natural gas in their uh, their shells there their shell yeah. play it's also alaska's got that permafrost too yeah literally never yep. thaws out right. ever unless you leave it open to the sun for forever you know yeah but the question i was going to ask so you mentioned about like the the cases like the the pallets 
what does our pads, excuse me, mats, whatever you call them, sorry. Mats, right? Yep. <laughs> they um what what does that have to do? So you are say you are a third party involved with that. That person gets in trouble fine. Does that come back like are you involved? Are you liable? It could. In any I mean way? in that situation I was talking about the FBI uh literally called those inspectors that were part of that job and wanted to know their side of the story and where were you at when this happened. But uh there's usually a counting process. So inspection can be looking at environmental uh, regulations, safety. There's usually a safety inspector, a um, environmental inspector, a welding inspector, a coding inspector, a uh, ditching inspector, a right-of-way inspector. There's usually all of those, at least those positions, and they'll call a utility inspector who can cover multiple jobs um, on a job. So let's say the line they recently ran here in Greenville uh, was almost 30 miles to reroute some of that. Uh, they probably had 30, 35 inspectors at the height. Uh, it dwindled down to where there was just an environmental inspector going around with the environmental crew and making sure that they seed, uh, crimp the soil, their erosion, uh, which is BMPs, best management practices, their, their silt fences, their waddles, and all the things that are that basically keep you living next door to having this big runoff or flooding someone's house because that's happened before. You yeah. put a big silt fence up. It fills up like a swimming pool and it breaks and you live next door downhill and we just flooded your house. So there's a lot to the oversight. The contractor knows what to do, but um, as anyone knows and not knocking contractors, we love them, we want to work for them. But you have to play a different role when you work as a safety contractor or inspector for a gas company. You have to remember what hat you're wearing and who you work for. And then when you go to the contractor side, because those are those are they're working on the same project, but they have different bottom lines. Right, right. So you gotta you gotta really know what you're what you're getting into and doing there. So is that with the FBI calling your inspectors? Is that a fine or a penalty you would see in your inspectors see, or would is the possible repercussions being it, sued by your client? It would be not just the fine and illegal with the environmental and things like that. It would also be fraud. Right. Um, and if you're an out of state company, let's say I was trucking, let's say I was stealing something and trucking it across interstate lines, you could start getting the federal uh, charges uh, with with that and, and uh, you know, just different things like that. But you, yeah, you could be in trouble legally and financially with with uh, fines and and court cases but, and things. But the relationship of you being in trouble would be between a government entity, not so right. much the you the, you the basically client. showed up and said. We're going to have oversight on this, and you were complicit right. in allowing. So okay. that's why there is third-party inspection. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like in our in our world, in the agency world, like sites we build. Like I've got to do this later today for one of our clients down in Florida. Their site has to be ADA compliant for visually impaired things like that. So, but they could be sued. Their company could be sued because they weren't, and there's nothing stopping them from turning around and suing us because they trusted us to do it. Right. Whereas that the com- that client cannot sue us, right. but they can sue our client, and then that the client can then in turn do that. And now the ADA is not penalizing people for it yet, so it's not like we built it, and we get the penalty. But just you know, thinking through that that process anyway. Hello, my name is Spencer Bunning. Thank you so much for uh, listening to this week's episode of Blue Collar CFO. Uh, I apologize for this interruption. We want to take a quick moment just to thank our sponsor for this week's episode, J. Scott Investments. J. Scott Investments is a small business banking that works for you. 
They have over a decade of lending experience, um, and J. Scott Investments offers something that the market hasn't given business owners before, a partner and an advocate. Fund solutions tailored specifically to your business needs. Their secret is a contractual relationship with direct lenders. This allows compensation without having you feel the financial burden. So contact them today. Go ahead and get peace of mind when you partner with J. Scott Investments. Start living your dream career. Start easing out some of that financial burden you may be facing right now and plan for the future like we talk about on Blue Collar CFO. Seek funding before you need it. Apply now. jscottinvestments.com forward slash apply now. Let's get back into the show. There's uh, one thing that, that it's, uh, I guess I'm giving them a plug for free. Maybe they give me a free year of, of membership. Uh, there's, a, there's a vetting service called ISNet World, kind of like when you go to a credit uh, agency or whatever, and they run your background and they're getting your, your credit history and they're saying, can you afford this house or this car? Uh, Equifax or something like that. Well, anyway, there's a company called IS Network. And if you are the contractor, the gas company, and I am the safety firm, they, you want to reach out to me, you send me an invite through them. Okay. Right. Then I submit my insurance, all of my credentials, everything to them in our training. And if they meet your standards, then I get a green light. If it's not yellow, it tells me what's wrong. Red means we didn't pass and we're never going to work for them. So that is a vetting agency that basically will go through and make sure not all the way down to our drug testing policy, all the way up to our safety manual and uh, our past work history. And they also will look back at our, like our EMR rates and things like that. Safety-wise, have we had any safety incidents? Because um, it's very critical when you start talking about recordable injuries and things like that that happen on a job, lost time, uh, it, it makes you harder and harder to sell yourself to a company. So there's a vetting agency called ISNet World. There's a few other ones, but that, that is a big one that if you wanted to, we know each other and you know that I do a good job, you still have to send me an invite through there and we still have to meet those. So most times when you're talking about legally, you they make you have – insurance credentials that are out of this world, including umbrella policies that basically would cover anything and everything that keeps that off of them. I mean, it's just right. a part of doing business. That's right. And another thing that your company does, I know you, it, Josh doesn't just work in the oil fields and different lines. He also does stuff for companies that uh, are working construction on bigger stuff to make sure all the stuff's getting done on a roof, make sure no employee falls off, make sure they're being safe the whole time. So when it comes to your business, you do a lot more than just certain things. You're there for almost any business looking to make sure that everybody's complying with what they're supposed to do, whether right. it be OSHA and you giving a class out to make sure everybody's OSHA certified right. and or making sure that their employees are doing the right thing by another third party when it comes to just about anything, when it comes to construction or working yep. and outside. Oversight, Oversight. is you know, the biggest thing we do. And, and right now we're doing a job at Camp Lejeune which uh, military bases in North Carolina are so big in the fabric of North Carolina. And this is a huge uh, defense, you know, uh, area, especially on the coast. But anyway, we're working at Camp Lejeune there. We're doing some work at Cherry Point. Uh, we hope to get much more. And some of the stuff I talked about with the converting hotels and into hospital rooms, uh, all of that is done either through NAVVAC, which is the Navy facilities, uh, or through um, the Army Corps of Engineers. They work under a manual called EM385-1-1. That is their, their, their book, their Bible of safety. Like OSHA still exists and mm -hmm. can come on any of those bases, but we work with the contractors on those bases to make sure 
that when they are working above six feet, especially, um, that they are applying the proper EM385 and OSHA standards to fall protection. Because a guy that owns a roofing company, God love him, he's a hard-working guy, but he'll go down to the gas station and grab a cup of coffee in the morning. He'll see two guys in there and say, well, they look like good, strong guys that could do this job. And they became roofers. And maybe the only time they've ever been on a roof is to hang their Christmas light. <laughs> so here I am, you know, and as the safety person that has to catch that person up and realize they need to be trained and understand how their fall protection works and um, that type of thing. Because there is also an oversight person over me that works for the government, whether it be a, a ET, which is, works for NAVVAC, or a CB, which they do construction for the Navy, we'll come and actually audit our sites. So if I'm the safety person standing there allowing them to work illegally and I become complicit in that, I lose my job. Right. So it, it, oversight is, there's always those layers, you know. We always come back to the roofer. The roofer. Yeah, it's like this, He's all, the roofer is always like the theoretical guy we're talking about. <laughs> the theoretical blue-collar guy. <laughs> so it's nice he's a hard-working it's guy. It's nice you went there without that. even paying <laughs> respect yeah. the roofer, for sure. And a lot of things with Josh, too. He's not just the owner of the company. He's, he actually works a lot to yeah. make sure everybody's doing it and, and well, trains I'm a lot of people. I'm always the guy, especially close to the holidays where somebody needs off or, I don't know, somebody's we, – we've had a lot of, um, you know, hopefully you say things happen in threes. We've had some 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 personal things in my personal life, some some um, family stuff. We've had some um, some people that, that we work with that have had some things going on. So And then we've had this coronavirus. So – Hey, you know, I'm gonna this make everyone's a, big yeah, three. I'm gonna make like a T-shirt when we get out of this. Like you know, can't beat me, recession proof, basically. Yeah, yeah. Saying hey, whatever. But you know, yeah, we're 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 just um, really happy to be there. I mean, we're we're allowed to be on site, and I say allowed because there is those regulations. They have to have a a safety person there. Um, we're we're very very fortunate that they're all rules and laws and regulations. Or there would be no need for us because back when it was the Wild West and they were building railroads, they were using Chinese workers, and half those people were running around uh, high on. They drugs, weren't teamsters. So they, no, no, there were no union. <laughs> there was no laws, and and that goes back. We've done a lot of union pipeline work, yeah, and a lot of union work, and that you have to explain that too. There's a lot to this. Like so, for instance, if I want to tell a union worker, and they would call them a hand out there, if I want to tell a hand hey, I need you to start wearing your safety glasses. I've noticed you take them off all the time, and you're not going to know when that, that guy's grinding that piece of metal flies in your eye. There's no time to say, hold on, wait, you know, let me put it back. Well, anyway, you have to have a protocol for that. They're yeah. going to talk to his supervisor and foreman, and that person goes and tells them. So yeah. if you don't understand that and you go out there and put your foot in your mouth. Before the shop steward shows yeah, up to get you. Yeah, you can have a problem. <laughs> so there's a, every, diff, every job we work on, whether it's government, or uh, just a regular commercial job or oil and gas has different layers. And the people who are good at this business, they know safety. But the most important thing, I think, in any business is attitude and being able to get along with people and uh, knowing your role and being able to say, no, I won't be complicit in that because I know where the line is. But it's very important to know the line and your your role. Right. We were just talking about that earlier. We had a – we were having a heated conversation. It's just kind of like, hey, heated conversations. We get done with. We're done. Right. You know, like that. It, that's how I am. Like, I'll I'll piss somebody off in a minute. But if it gets 
it's moving, it gets us moving, but it's also like knowing that proper chain too. Yep. With um, so bringing it kind of back to you enjoy the oil field, then you get chewed <laughs> out, cussed out, then you yeah. just y'all out drinking beer at the end of the day. <laughs> we, we joked, we joked earlier, we joked earlier with um, the owner of the the agency. We were like, our job is just to get you as mad as we can. <laughs> so you like, so you fussed at us, so you like release that stress, like and you keep yeah. it, not keeping it bottled up. So yeah. an event, I it, tell my guys that all the time. I said. If you're about to go off on somebody on site or vent on somebody, call me and vent. You can say anything. You can MF. <laughs> yeah. You can do everything you want on, on on me, and then we can talk about it. And that usually gives them a clear head. So that's my job, yeah. too, not just to fill in for people and, and to go out there and work sites and things like that. A lot of times I will be the first person on a site because, as you all know, in a business, whatever they see first and whatever product they feel like they're getting, that's they're judging that the value and is it worth what we're paying right, right. off the gate. And and if I can't do it right, then we don't need to be doing this. With what you do in the in the safety world, does the the standards you work by obviously they're put in place by people that aren't you. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, you're following other things. Is there as a contractor and a, as a business in this world, are you limited in how you can charge and what you can charge in any type of way? Or is that basically up to you? You are. I mean, we do go back and forth in the negotiation. A lot of times, if you're working for the gas company, you can make more money. You can charge more. If you, And that's because you're closer to the source. It would be like closest to the water well. The more hands it has to go through, the, the less you, you know, the, the less you can really charge or make. Um, when we're working for the contractor. But one thing I'm really careful of is not people talk. And if I give one contractor a deal and the other contractor that I'm working for at the same time doesn't get that same deal, if they ever end up in the same room together and be like, well, why is he? It it really can cause some hard feelings. So you got to be careful. So I've kind of tiered it. Directly working for the gas company, the next level of oversight would be your inspection company. That's a price. And then the contractors have a price. And try to stay in those three levels. But there's nothing, like, restricting you. You can charge no, what you want you to can charge. charge what you want. I mean, when I went to Texas <clears throat> back when, we were working for uh, Chesapeake Energy, and they had a lot of a lot of uh, investment <laughs> money. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry to bring that up. But, uh, yeah, the we went to work there for probably five years. It was myself, my brother, and a guy named uh, Anthony Dallas. Uh, anyway, we're, uh, we're all living in the same house. We'd all go our separate directions in the morning, 3.34 in the morning, drive from San Antonio to Laredo and all parts in between. And work with contractors and and the gas company. We were representing the gas company, and we were the, we were their safety people. And I mean, I, I I remember the charges, and this wasn't my company doing this. Is when we were working for them, uh, we're about fifteen hundred dollars a day a man, and that man was making about twelve hundred dollars a day. So if you work a six day week, uh, he, you coming home now? That's everything included: gas, um, you know, use of your UTV, ATV, whatever you're using. Uh, if you need it, um, all inclusive. If you went to work for a company as an employee, they took that fifteen hundred and that twelve hundred you were supposed to be getting, and they broke it down and gave it to you in different things like uh, your per diem and a Com Data card, which you'd use every week, like a like your own little ATM card. Uh, they would break it down hourly, and then we would get some other benefits when it comes to mileage and things like that we'd put on the trucks i'll but, take the 7200 a week yeah and most yeah. people did and that's where it went and that's what kind of taught me is like people and this is not to get political but 
they want their money and whatever they decide to do with their money, that is their choice. Whether you get you go and spend it all on nothing or something of value or you do a little bit of here and there, um, that is your, your business yeah. when you're made to do something um, as an afterthought. Like, for instance, Social Security, we have to have that as a, as a, as a safety net. But if uh, most people are making five hundred to a thousand dollars a day, you would hope that they're putting money away, you know, and, and You'd that, hope. Yeah, yeah, I mean <laughs> like, and not just relying on because when you work ten ninety nine, you've got to provide your own retirement plan. You yeah. pay your taxes. You know, right. You've got to pay you your own taxes. taxes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a, there's you're your own business. And uh, that's that's where a lot of times it it isn't hard to find people with safety credentials, but if you're trying to put the little uh, holy trinity together you're trying to find a person that can get along with people that knows safety and is willing to work you know as a as a consultant that is uh, not the easiest thing always to find so going into going into with a you, you mentioned the loan from your your now uh late mother-in-law right when did you was that a loan that was taken and you left your full-time job running into it or did you build up this while you were working as contractor with other companies knowing you did question. that before okay so in order to like I'm, I'm sure here at this business too you usually pay your insurance yearly or semi-annually so you're talking about putting a big chunk down so i would think of that twenty thousand dollars I would say 12 of it went to insurance. For your workman's comp. Brand new company. So I was working for another company uh, in my, so I would work from six in the morning till five, six at night. And when I got done with that, then I began working my own company. uh, And I would send out hundreds of emails to different contractors saying what we could do and what I hoped we could do and what I hoped if we promised that we could make it happen. That's why we're the family and the people that I work with friends they are my family that I can lean on them a lot of people say don't don't trust family but if you can't trust your family you got some problems going on yeah. you know what I mean and, and and I mean the uh I can lean on those people more um and they don't want to let me down and I don't want to let them down right. so you know do you remember your first job oh yeah um as far as me personally or yeah like for, no for, for, the, for, the, for the company, company. Yeah. yeah oh yeah our first job was actually um south of san antonio and a lot of those areas like that chesapeake work it all dried up and it's because they're just like their stock yeah, yeah. <laughs> well it was about the same time that it started to go the other way um they fracked it so yeah <laughs> yeah so we uh we went down back down there and i had a small contractor that i had worked for personally and i worked for them in uh, west virginia ohio and pennsylvania uh for like a year's time and so did uh guy I was talking about earlier and, and Tony uh, anyway he and I lived together in an extended stay and uh, we would literally open I had unbolted my TV where it could come off the dresser I'd flipped it put it in their window we'd barbecue every night watch LSU games people would come by and be like oh those are those Louisiana guys you know they we liked the party and like the tailgate you know and we made our own tailgate we lived there for a full year and worked for this company in a lot of harsh conditions a lot of long weeks working Sundays and things like that. And we proved ourselves. And I asked one day, they asked me, would you bring the, uh, the, uh, the, what is he, the GM of the company, uh, to the airport in, uh, Canton, Ohio. And it was about a two hour ride. So we're riding and riding and riding. And I, I was waiting on the right moment to drop it in there. Like, 
hey, I think I could do, instead of you hiring me as an employee and covering my workers' comp, unemployment, all, all the FICA stuff that comes out of a check, uh, would you be willing to use us as a, your safety firm? When you get a job, we come out. Because the, the, the hardest part for a company like that, he's got a lot of pieces he's balancing, but not every job needs a safety person. The gas company a lot of times requires that. So what, what I mean by that is, is like they may use you for eight months solid. You're so tired by the time you get done, you want a month off. But you call back uh, two weeks after that, and you're like, hey, I'm ready to go back to work. They might not have anything for six months. So that's where the third party, I call you when I need you, um, safety rental person is a lot easier uh, than keeping somebody and, you know, stringing them along. We'll go to this job for two weeks and then come to the shop and we'll, we'll use you here for two weeks. And hey, how you feel about working 20 hours this week? It's use you when I need you, call you later when we need you again. Right. And, 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 and I mean, we don't get a whole lot of notice when we get done with the job. It's usually if we get a week's notice, we feel really good about that. And it's usually, hey, this will be the last week for your guys. And then my job as the the owner of the company is to keep those guys working. So the pressure I feel to keep them working is the same pressure they feel not to let me down. Yeah. That's where the family thing comes in. Yeah, so with that and tying this back, so we, we talked about how there's nothing regulating what you can charge, how you can charge. Right. Looking at you said you, you said you can remember your first job at yep. the company. What would you say in been in business for eight years, right? Yes. That's the number? Okay. Mm-hmm. What would you say in regards to percentage-wise, would you say if you were to do that same job today, what percentage oh. increase would you charge now? Um, it wouldn't be huge, but it would be it would be more. Uh, obviously, where I'm from in Louisiana, Lake Charles, Louisiana, where the company's at, um, we – have a lot of petrochemical refinery business. So safety has been a real deal for 30 years. You know, in the 80s, they really got into having a safety-specific. Usually your operators, they had safety training. Everybody was a firefighter at the plant. That way if one of the units caught on fire and uh, that kind of thing because a local fire department is not ready to put out a, you know, a, a huge tank full of crude oil mm-hmm. back then. Now they are a little more... But uh, anyway, long story short, they have their own fire departments. They were their safety people. They were everything. Um, that I had to leave that uh, rich environment where it sounds like a great business, but to break into that is there's so many old contracts, so much old money there, it's hard to get in. So I had to go take the jobs that people wouldn't take. The one stoplight town that had one gas station, and, and uh, you know they were charging – nine dollars for a gallon of uh, of milk and 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 five dollars for a gallon of gas we took those jobs first and then now i'm working my way back to where i can now say hey we have eight years we have this we have that look at all the right. companies we work for that that resume we're building and i guess my last question that i would have is we look we talk about funding a lot obviously because that's what we're here to talk about small business finance but in regards to funding and People typically seek out funding for, like Jay talked about, with payroll initially and talking about, like, scaling up their business or, like, a capital investment into a new sector. How is Cypress Safety set up for um, scalability? Are you able to scale out to as many jobs as you're able to manage from your side, uh, knowing you like to be first on the job and you are playing secretary at the same time? Yeah. Are you working with, like, your team of X and we, we take what we can right now and – 
Yeah, I, I don't really have a limit. I don't think we've ever turned down a job. Maybe the only time we've ever turned down a job was when we put out an initial bid. It came back a lot lower. I tried to come back with a with a counter and said, this is why we need to charge that. Uh, because a lot of times guys are, you know, you, you hear that money. You hear $500 a day, but you don't realize that's managing two households. You may have three kids that are going to school, uh, private school, college, whatever. You have a mortgage at home, and you're living in a hotel. But if you price a hotel right now, uh, right now it's pretty cheap. <laughs> okay, but, like, if you go to Odessa, Texas, and Halliburton may have bought out every hotel within 100 miles. The going rate sometimes out there is 150 to $200 a night for a one little Motel 4 hotel room. It's not Motel 6. It's yeah. Motel 4. And that might include a refrigerator in it, you know, and, and so you have to eat out a lot. So anyway, you have everything, you know, the government tries to keep up with their per diem rates and, and, and what's going on in those places and what the cost of living is. And that's what we use to dictate uh, per diem and, and, and what that person is supposed to, you know, make. And I've got to factor that into the, the bid. Um, but anyway, yeah, we can we can scale it way up or, or way down. I mean, I have 100 safety professionals at, at, at my fingertips. The other day we were approached about the deal. I was talking about the government job with the hospital rooms and the hotels. And uh, we, I was able to get 10 people that have five-plus years' experience, 500-level OSHA training. Most of them are trainers themselves. Uh, they have a current CPR AD first aid card. And they are have some EM three eighty five training within probably two hours and put a team together. So I did team one, team two, and I managed both those teams. Uh, I can get ten more teams, but I also don't want to call a hundred people and then we don't win the bid. Now I've got ninety people that told their wife. Some guy called. I may be going. Yeah, we're going. I'm, I'm about to let's go get that new car or something. And, you know, we need, we, we're about to do something big. And all of a sudden, there's nothing. I don't like that, you know. So I want to, it, it's as needed. So when I need to tap into that well, I'll do it. All right. So this is actually my last question, but it came from you talking a minute ago. We talked about how you have, we talked about how you have some jobs that take, an, take a year, some take a month. Yeah. What's your invoicing like? Are you sending Are you sending them like weekly? Are you sending them every, once a month? Are you sending them like, is there a deposit made on the project and then everything do last? Accountability, the, the whole inspection thing has really taught me, okay, so if you were in the field working with me, and I say that a lot, with me, not for me, because no one is subservient to anybody. That's why those guys get paid the, the amount of money they do. Uh, and, and they're the ones with skills. And every year I have people that say, hey, I need to take a week off. Would you come out or can you have somebody so I can go get my OSHA 500 or something like that? Or I'm, or I'm going to get my degree. I've been doing it online. I have to go back for these certain points uh, for these certain classes. So they're constantly chasing it because they're self-motivated to be the top guy in our program because certain clients will ask for certain certain standards, whatever. But anyway – Back to the, 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 the invoice and stuff and all that, the, the, the guy in the field sends me a timesheet at the end of the week. It is signed by the highest-ranking person for that contractor because if it's not written down, it didn't happen. So he spells out all his days of work, and then um, that person signs. That is correct. That's sent to me. From that, I break that down into an invoice. I send the signed field copy 
and the invoice I made in the office to the uh, accounts receivable uh, payable department for whatever um, people were working for. And then they begin the process of getting us repaid. Usually we're on more of a 14 day to uh, monthly payout because again, we're all handcuffed to each other. And if a company takes, let's say they have 20 projects going and we're only providing two safety people on two specific projects and their whole company fails. And I allow our invoicing to get out 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. And guys, let's say are working day and night shift. We may lose a hundred grand right there. And I might spend 50,000 trying to get it back in legal fees uh, because a company went under of things I have no idea. I'm not sitting in their boardroom. Right. So my, my payback has to be faster so we don't get so overextended. Uh, because if, if I'm taking out those loans to pay that, um, now government money, government jobs, a lot safer because you're going to get, you're, you're guaranteed, unless the apocalypse happens, we're yeah. going to get paid back. Or a pandemic. Yeah, yeah. or right. a pandemic, yeah. <laughs> and with your with your payroll stuff, is that – is that pen and paper? Are you running a using a, a tool or anything like that? Are they submitting a timesheet electronically? Electronically, spreadsheet, yeah. Usually like from the field, we keep it pretty simple. Uh, give it to them two ways. They usually have a, a timesheet or a time card. They'll print out. They'll keep track of what their their uh, the days they worked and sign for each day, and then the manager will sign. That can be done in hand by hand because if you have a guy and nothing against eight age discrimination, I want to make sure that if a guy is not computer savvy, that he has a way to get his time in. And uh, so it can be printed and handwritten. I also have a, a spreadsheet where a guy who's more computer literate pops it up, he punches it in. I'll take it either way. As long as I can read it and I can put it into um, electronically for me into an invoice and, and send it off, that's, that's really all that matters. So we are uh, dealing with a wide range of different i've got two brothers uh or five brothers but two of them have degrees in safety i can give them anything on the computer and they can do it pretty well and they might have a question or two but not much uh whereas i could take my dad who works with me and he's going to know how to do the computer okay but it's just much easier for him to do it handwritten so all he has to do is take that pdf sheet i send him and print off copies and, and handwrite it so i try to make it user-friendly because um, nobody likes doing paperwork, really. Can, you know, it's it's part of it. Just try to make it as simple, streamlined. Right. right. Well, let's. Um, we want to thank you for coming in. And the start of your business was basically getting family funding to right. get your business going. Um, a lot of the money you used to finance your business was lines of credit or factor funding to help their business grow, and making sure your client stays on those nice net fifteen, net thirty, net sixty, without letting them go too far before you're so far in debt. And then they go out of business. You get stuck with it because you took care of all your employees. So from that standpoint, from the blue collar side of trying to get your business done and um, sending your invoices, you all do it yourself, which is great. And um, but we also thank you for coming and tell us how you got your business going and how you keep it going. And I hope everybody got a good um, knowledge of what cyber safety does. And thanks for Spencer and the team for doing everything. Mr. Christian. Producer, yeah. Yeah, producer. All right, so episode five of Blue Collar CFO. Be sure to, if you're on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe, please. And if you're listening to us audio only via iTunes uh, or, uh, or Spotify, 
I'll miss it, Shopify. <laughs> or Spotify, please do leave us a review, follow. We appreciate you. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Blue Collar CFO is a React Radio production. All contents are filmed and edited in the React studio. For past episodes, as well as our sister shows, check out reactradionc.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.